Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. Shout out to Obed Ahmed from Botmock. Botmock is on a mission to help organizations of all sizes build exceptional conversational experiences. UX is the key to discoverability and retention when it comes to your voice app and it requires you to rethink your design process to understand the context in which your customer interacts with your app. And Botmock are helping you do all of that with their prototyping software. You'll be up and running prototyping voice experiences literally in minutes. It's an easy to use tool. It's intuitive. You should totally, totally check it out. If you do want to check it out, go to botmock.com slash VUXworld. That's B-O-T-M-O-C-K dot com slash VUXworld. Thank you, Obed and Botmock, for presenting this week's episode. Now, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus over the last few weeks. I've been on holiday. I've had a wisdom tooth out. Dustin's been on holiday as well. Um, We've been working on an incredibly interesting project, which I'm hoping we can share all of the juicy details with you in the weeks to come. It is really, really interesting. So we have taken a slight break up until now, but we're back ready and rolling. Today, we're speaking to Mike Page, the CEO of Phoebe. Phoebe is helping brands, uh, e-commerce brands in particular and e-commerce website owners voiceify their website adding a voice user interface to their website it's helping to narrow that path to purchase by making the whole search process easier uh, so we chat to mike today about about Vee, about the mission about the work that they've been doing the clients that they've been working with the use cases that they've found through bringing voice to the web uh, on mobile and on desktop and we also talk about the general convergence of voice and the web we talk about user adoption user expectations business adoption and expectations as well the Alexa effect and a whole host more. There's also tips in there as well. If you're thinking about adding a voice capability to your website, there's a whole host of tips in there about things you should consider if you do want to do that. This is an absolutely epic one. I'm glad to be back after a couple of weeks hiatus. Me and Dustin in the hot seat. This is Mike Page from Phoebe on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about voice. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Well, here we are, Dustin, at the back end of the summer. Yeah, summer's over. Back into the, the return to real life. How are you doing, Kane? Very well, very well. Summer feels like it's over, but today it was a mixture of kind of summery, autumny kind of vibes. It was raining this morning, then it got out sunny in the afternoon, then it was raining again on my way back to, uh, to the house, and it's just kind of been a little bit all over the place today. Yeah, and I come from Texas, where summer doesn't end until November, so we, we have a, a little bit more time, and Paris is a bit warm today as well, but uh, the offices are filling back up, and we're back uh, recording this podcast, so excited to, to jump in and fill out the rest of the year. Yeah, and, and our guest today has probably maybe not experienced the ups and downs of a European summer for quite a while, because although he is English-born and bred, you are now over there in Florida, Mike. Welcome to VUX World. Thank you very much. Yes, um, it's very hot and raining here, but that's pretty typical. So uh, <laughs> that's, it's a home away from home in that regard. 
It doesn't feel too. It doesn't sound too dissimilar to what today has been like. As I was saying, it's a little bit rainy, but warm and humid. You know, like when you when you go abroad and you kind of step off the plane and you just feel the kind of like the air is just humid. You just feel it. It's a little bit like that today. But uh, but welcome, welcome, Mike. Uh, excited to have you on. Excited to hear a little bit about Phoebe and and the work that you're doing in the kind of voice industry. But. Why don't we kind of kick off by, you know, just give us a little bit of an overview about yourself uh, and kind of your career and, and how you've got to the position that you are right now with Phoebe. Sure. That sounds uh, sound great. So thanks. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, excited to to be here. So, yes, that's it. I'm Mike Page. I'm the CEO of uh, Phoebe. Uh, prior to that, my general background was media and advertising agencies. So I worked for WPP in various roles for for, for many years. Um, I also ran operations for a research company called Synovate uh, in Western Europe, and also worked at a statistical software company called SPSS uh, that was subsequently sold to IBM. So that's the sort of general field that I've been working principally in analytics. Uh, but I also started a company called Cognition, which was a market research software firm. And so I caught the entrepreneurial bug there um, that I ran till 2014. And I sold to uh, an Indian company um, and worked for, for that company for a while on an earnout, um, and was looking for somewhere where my skills and those of uh, my, my business partner, uh, Constantine, could could apply. And during this period, Alexa had come out. Um, we'd started to look at some potential applications of using Alexa connected to data. Um, so particularly the business intelligence use case, you know, what are my sales in Germany? You know, what are these types of questions that could be answered um, by a voice agent? We did some projects with Alexa and Google. And we looked at this and we also looked at uh, e-commerce and talk about a lot today, I know. Uh, and we felt, you know, there's a there's a big macro world of, you know, Alexa, Microsoft, you know, Google. Um, but there's an awful lot of other applications around voice, particularly for people who want to control their environment um, that we felt that we could play in. So with that in mind, we started Phoebe uh, just a little over a year ago, so April 2018, to develop technologies and products and services in the voice sector that would target these these sort of applications where people, uh, you know, might want a little more control or to be able to build something, you know, with with a, with a slightly different value proposition to just uh, plugging into Google. So that's that's where we came from, and that's where that's where I come from. Cool. Well, Mike and Phoebe kind of goes together, doesn't it? I'm just doing a quick uh, Google search, and uh, Phoebe, spelt the way you spell it, P-H-E-B-I, is obviously what comes up when you search for it. But if you search for Mike Phoebe, obviously you're there from LinkedIn, but you've also got friends. So it's kind of like Mike and Phoebe from Friends kind of went together. And that that, that, that had a ring to it. That worked out pretty well. And now here we are, Mike, with the company Phoebe, and that seems to be going pretty well as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it has. It's, um, you know, it's been a a great first year. Um, I mean, 
the Phoebe thing is that the, the name came from, and unfortunately, I don't know whether this is actually true or not, but it's a good story. I found a, a web page where it said that Phoebe was a goddess who brought the voice of the gods to the Dere- the, to the oracle at Delphi, uh, wow. which is how I explain it, which seems like a great name, but I can't find the article anymore. So I, maybe I dreamt <laughs> it and completely made it up. But, uh, you know, anyway, it works. It works for us. And and people you know people remember it so so that's a so that's a good thing nice so what does it do then tell us tell us about phoebe and and, and what it does okay so uh, yeah at the root we protect, we produce custom language models uh contextual language models so what that means is we take either a data set or a, a website in e-commerce and we build a custom language model for that so that it can do voice recognition and natural language processing, uh, but the instance is specific to that site, so we don't have to. You don't have to share the data outside. You don't have to use an API call or paper, you know, paper translation second or you know phrase or, or whatever it might be, um, and it's custom tailored to your to your application. Um, so that's the root. You know, that's the root of the technology that that, that we provide, and we're developing. You know use cases over time so the main one um is e-commerce so we enable we enable websites to have voice enabled smart search um so that people can search using natural language and their voice on any device um, and find what they want uh, more quickly and what part of the stack where does phoebe come in are you doing the asr are you doing the nlp uh, doing the search as well. Where, if we integrate Phoebe into our e-commerce store, what is Phoebe going to be responsible for? Yeah, so Phoebe, uh, you know, I mean, it depends whether it's a custom implementation or, uh, so for example, we're on Shopify. So Phoebe is available as a Shopify app. Uh, you can click on it, add it to your store on Shopify, and that's all automated. What Phoebe will do is read the inventory and all the metadata from your your Shopify store, build one of these uh, these custom language models, and then create a JavaScript plugin that will appear on 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 any device. You can customize it to some degree, um, and then you you know you hit hit the button, and then you say what you're looking for. You know, show me cool hats or you know t-shirts with a you know with a moon on it or whatever it, it might be, and Phoebe will return the results using your metadata to target and return those. Um, so, and we also do it in a custom module for, you know, one of our uh, our most successful areas has been auto. So we're on a large number of um, dealer websites in the, in the US. So you can search for, uh, you know, hybrid cars under 30,000 miles with a third row and, you know, and a green interior and obviously with all the, the metadata and all the VIN decoder type details, we can then pull up those answers and put it in an instant search environment. Um, so so that's how we fit in. We, you know, we plug in over the top, connected to the inventory and able to return results. And ultimately, and with the version that we've uh, just released, to take you through to whatever the outcome you're looking for, either purchase in something like a Shopify store or you know, schedule a test drive, or um, you know, uh, contact the broker on a real estate site, or whatever it whatever it may be. Hmm. So if we think of this in regards to the user flow, let's say I go to this car dealership 
and the what I'll do is I'll click on a button uh, in my browser. It will start listening to me, and I'll say I want a Ford F one fifty two thousand nineteen model. And so you are streaming that over to the Phoebe servers, and Phoebe is doing uh, speech to text on those servers, or are you taking the audio itself? And then from there, what's happening? Are you doing the actual search? Or are you handing that over to a search engine? And then are you handling intents and entities as well? Yeah, we're doing you know all of the uh, voice to text we're doing. So that is you know that's handled through the Phoebe servers, or it can be uh, handled in a customer's own environment, which is another one of the use cases for people who don't want to share the audio files or have a, a an issue with with you know how the audio files are, are used, i.e., not sent to Google or or, or or someone where they can't control the environment. Um, we yes, we we did initially in the first version. Uh, we just returned results to the site, um, so we would find, for example, the stock IDs in the in the in the metadata, return that to the to the site. What we've been asked for and what we've implemented for our customers is to is to help them maintain the journey through that. So now we, you know, we use the language model in a text form to guide the smart search. So you can type to it in the same way that you can speak to it. So it's kind of more fluid in terms of uh, being able to provide the search. Yeah, and then we surface the search within the Phoebe environment, which means it's faster um, and also means that we can take the experience deeper all the way down to a product page so that you can have things like readout descriptions or, yeah, you know, an example for a car dealer might be you can say by voice, unlock the best price, right? And that's a, you know, that's a lead gen tool. Uh, for that auto and then we obviously get a credit as, as, as having generated that lead or you know in a, a general e-com site <clears throat> add to cart you know what are my shipping options and then and then and then check out um, so that allows us to sort of manage the journey more fully so in our first release we you know we just returned to the existing site because we felt that's what people would want um, but the feedback has told us that people want a, a deeper Kind of richer experience it has to go further you know in order to deliver the value that you know that our customers that our customers want and that also brings up the sort of accessibility angle um which is you know visually impaired people need to be able to you know purchase things through your store um you know whilst there are things like screen readers and and, and other ways that you can you can make something easier to use for the visually impaired voice is a great way and if you can complete the journey then you can effectively have a, a non-visual end-to-end um, -end shopping experience on a site you know all through a, an implementation of something like Phoebe. So did you say that correct me if I'm wrong but you said that the the user would go to a site they would see the mic icon or the Phoebe icon or what have you they would activate that then they would speak their search phrase you know finding whatever they want to find and then from that moment on are you saying that everything beyond then is handled by Phoebe? So all of the kind of like translating the search, the, the, the kind of spoken word into the search term, into finding the results, and then also even presenting the results and going through the checkout, is that last kind of mile also part of the Phoebe experience? Yeah, that's right. That's what, we've, that's what we've been implementing because that's what we were asked, you know, that's what we were asked to do. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bad search for a 
start in a lot of e-commerce websites. I mean, there are there are some good implementations and good, you know, applications out there, but a lot of basic search isn't, you know, isn't that great. And in order to get to where we needed to be for what our customers wanted to be able to see, you know, we we've had to take them, you know, through the through the journey. Uh, you know, a good example is is in the auto space. Um, you know, you know, at least one of our reference sites. You know, the the smart search on their site is 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 not too bad, um, but it only works on desktop. It doesn't appear on mobile at all. And it doesn't have any of the contextual things that we that we bring, like you know, under thirty thousand miles or between twenty and thirty thousand um, dollars. So the fact that we can replicate everything that that has, and we do voice, and we work on mobile, uh, you know, brings a much better experience. In fact, you'll find with most auto dealers, if you go to a mobile site, it's you know a whole bunch of drop downs which are incredibly difficult to use on on mobile. Um, so being able to to do it in that way, and again, for a realtor or something, if you're actually you know in the field, as it were, looking at houses, and you want to look up if there are other nearby ones in the neighbourhood, these are all great use cases for a natural language, voice-driven search experience on mobile. Um, but yeah, we have had it is a learning that you know we have had to take it deeper than just doing using our voice to text and and you know and returning stock IDs or whatever to the existing site because that. You know that that concludes the voice process too early. And as Phoebe, as a company, built all of those components of the voice stack, the speech to text, the NLU, the the search side of it, or are you the company that puts it all together in one easy to use package? Yeah, I mean, we we specialize in the technology. We're you know we're you know we're open to enabling you know to working with partners to enable you know the technology you know through other applications. But for ecom ecom search, it, you know it's you know it's clearly a good fit. But given that we you know we're not Google, Amazon, Microsoft, it's better for us to produce a a fully fledged entity that we can, you know, we can present to digital marketing agencies or auto dealer groups or, you know, or whoever it may be, and they can implement it easily, you know, and then, you know, then plug in, you know, various other things, analytics, recommendation engines, et cetera, around it. So that's where, you know, that's where we are with the the Phoebe voice search. So that means you pulled in other technologies and you're packaging those, the NLU, the speech to text, the search side of it, you're packaging that together rather than building all of those individual pieces in house. Yeah, that's right. We package, we, you know, a lot of it, you know, we have built ourselves because, you know, once you've got what we've got, once you've got the, you know, the, the speech to text, the contextual language model, the, you know, the metadata, the, you know, the, the, the computations that you're doing on text. It's fairly on voice, or it's fairly easy to replicate them in text form, you know, and implement them. So it's not so hard for us to do those, you know, to do those things. Um, but you know, that's been our, you know, our main goal is to is to get something that's easy to implement for people. Um, and as I said earlier, I think it's just the learning that we have to go deeper. That you have to go deeper with a voice experience, you know, than just speech to text in order to make a, you know, to make a solution that. You know that it that is seamless for the for the customer really are you going as far as handling the the shopping basket and the cart and the checkout process as well or are you handing back at that point we can do i mean there's obviously some learning to be there about how people want you know how people 
want to go through that? Do they want to go through that in that way? I mean, we can do it from a technical perspective. Uh, for example, you know, on Shopify, the Shopify API, you know, supports all of that. So, you know, there's there 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 is no, um, you know, there is no no barrier to doing that. Um, I think we, you know, our, our our release at the moment is you know going as far as sort of adding adding it to the cart, you know, and then you know uh, you know then allowing you to to to, to check out. Um, and then we will probably experiment with some, you know, some different checkout scenarios, which we, which we really want to cover, obviously, for the, uh, for the visually impaired as well, because that's, you know, that's going to be a key, a key workflow. And for that, are you thinking, kind of, voice enabling the checkout process? Because it seems, it seems to me, as at the moment, as though, because we spoke, we've spoke, we've had voices on the podcast in the past, and they seem to be doing something very similar in terms of helping bring voice to the web and helping search for products and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we didn't get to cover this when we spoke to uh, Voices, Brian uh, Colcord we spoke to. Because um, it, it's, for smart speakers, which is where most of the kind of attention stems from, and it seems as though now voices have kind of been moving into new environments and voices becoming known, which we've always been speaking about on the podcast as an interface as opposed to a device type. Um, but it seems as though the the kind of implementations of your likes of voices and Phoebe potentially is almost going to introduce voice into parts of the experience as opposed to voice enable the entire user journey. Is that fair to say? And when you say that you're thinking about integrating into the payment process, are you talking about integrating the voice capability through the payment process? Or are you talking about just integrating your back end uh, into a payment process? Yeah, no, I think it's voice, you know, throughout the process. I mean, I think the conversation, you know, I mean, one of the things that we, you know, we, we did a lot of work initially, uh, you know, using smart speakers, using the, you know, using Alexa and using Google, you know, when we were doing the data side and, 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 and forming up the, you know, the vision for the business. Um, but, you know, what we feel is that you have, you know, your voice is a natural means of communication, but it doesn't necessarily have to go through the same, you know, I'm having a conversation with you, you're having a conversation with me, we have completely, you know, self-built language models in our heads that are allowing us to communicate. We don't have to go through Google or Amazon in order to understand each other doing speech to text as a universal thing. So as it becomes more seamless, and that's, you know, what we sort of call the Alexa effect, really, as people get used to having a, uh, a conversation with a device, um, then as people become more, more familiar with that, then the opportunity to, you know, allow them to have that conversation, um, to do something that they need to do, you know, particularly where there's less of a personality behind it, right? It's more of a functional assistant. It's not trying to be your friend or, you know, it is, it is, it is functionally there to say, have you got what I'm looking for? Yes, I have. Okay. Take me deeper. Um, you know, and through that process, that experience can be seamless when it's with voice because it doesn't matter which the voice agent is. But if you're a website, you know, getting that last mile or, you know, particularly if somebody is searching on your site and they can't find what they're looking for and they bounce back to Google and maybe do the search there, you're, you're losing that potential prospect. Even if you maybe had the product that they want, if they can only search for it on Google, then you're going to be exposed to the competitors. Whereas once you've got them on their site, they can continue a voice experience, but this time the voice experience is a one-to-one conversation between you and the customer. Then I think that makes, you know, that makes a very interesting experience. 
and it's also seamless, right? It doesn't have to go through one agent. Voice is a natural means of, of, of communication with different agents. Do you think we're kind of on the verge? This sounds a little bit like the early days of, of, of this, and I'd be interested to, to get your kind of thoughts on it. If you're talking about kind of voice enabling the kind of product search and then checkout process, and Google is working really hard, certainly on Assistant, to kind of voice enable that whole kind of like internet-wide search process. There wouldn't take presumably that much effort to thread those two together so that you perform a Google search via voice, choose the result that you want with your voice, end up on a website that has something like Phoebe enabled, so everything is then voice enabled. So potentially... Is this where we're heading, do you think? Is that we're heading down the route where the entire internet is becoming voice-enabled, so eventually we won't necessarily have to be clicking and tapping and scrolling and swiping. Actually, we'll just be able to kind of use the internet with our voice. Is that where you think things are going? Well, I think it's it's a way. I You know, I never said there's no the way, is there? I mean, there are obviously situations where clicking and, and going through and, you know, with drop-downs and sub-menus and stuff is a, you know, is a better way sometimes on, you know, on desktop or in other ways. I don't think voice will be the only method of interacting. But I think, you know, what we see is a growing number of, you know, e-commerce is not just Amazon, right? There's millions of sites out there. You know, there's a strong movement towards what can I do to make the experience on my site so great that I don't have to, you know, you know, hand over to a platform or whatever. You know, if I can, if I can make the experience so good, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, one example is like if you say, you know, a small hotel group, right? If maybe that I book with it with Expedia, but maybe when I go there, they say, hey, next time, next time you come here, go to our site. You know, say this code, you can book it all on your mobile. Say, hey, I'm coming to Miami. You know, do you have a room? You know, I'm Mike Page or whatever. You know, then then you can capture that experience and maybe build a deeper relationship with that customer than just the price-driven one, you know, or search result or paid or whatever driven one through the platform. So I think, you know, allowing people to stay in a voice environment and then you have the opportunity to deepen your relationship with the customer rather than just picking up the you know the the, the ad words or whatever it is driving to is you know is a good way because then you build a you know a loyal customer database and those customers are typically more profitable what do you think dustin do you do you think that um that we'll see a convergence of voice and kind of like internet browsers of, of voiceifying internet browsers I don't really think so. And the reason I don't think so is a lot of the work that, you know, I'm seeing day to day with the customers that I'm working with and that there are the right time to use voice. There's the right time to tap or there's the right time to click. Right. Uh, even, even on your computer, right. You, or your phone or anything, there's different inputs for different things and there's different outputs for different things as well. And additionally, there's different contexts. You're not going to be ordering hemorrhoid cream uh, when you're when you're in the office through voice, uh, though you could surreptitiously uh, do it through through texting, right? Through text, and so there's going to be different experiences. Though I think what we're seeing is that users are expecting there to be voice. Uh, you know, Kane, you know I love this stat about. Uh, 71% of people preferring to search through voice than through keyboard already uh, back in 2018. 
And in the studies that I'm doing when I'm speaking with actual users, they're saying the same thing. Uh, a woman said to me something that I found quite interesting. She said, I, I use voice because I'm making fewer mistakes when I speak than when I type. Uh, and so you're seeing that people are using it when it's the right area, but are we going to only speak to our computer? That gets exhausting, right? Even, you know, as we do these 60 minute interviews, by the end of it, you need a glass of water. You, you need something to do. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I personally think that tapping the keyboard is not going away anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, our experience with all the applications is it's, it's very contextual um, in terms of the environment that you're in. You know, we, you know, we've looked at, uh, you know, the business side of it, right? The, you know, looking at up business information. You know, if you've got a room full of people barking, you know, data instructions at their computers, it's going to be a pretty miserable environment to work in, right? When they, you know, when they could easily be be pointing and clicking. Um, I think that the main thing, again, you know, backing up what Dustin said is, you know, our experience is that it's now ubiquitous enough that you can stick a Phoebe icon on any website and generally people know what to do with it. You know, we immediately get, so as soon as it goes on there, we can track the searches and even on sites that have no, you know, that don't draw attention to it, don't really have any instructions on how to use it, they immediately start using it, you know, in the way that you would expect. So on a car dealer, they start looking for, you know, looking for cars because that's what they expect to do. Uh, but we also see extensions. So, you know, in the first month or so, we found that when we looked at the exceptions report, we were seeing things like, can I book an oil change? What time does the service center open? You know, so we can see that people were extending the queries, but in a logical way, in a way that made you feel that they understood, you know, what a voice, you know, a voice assistant on a website would, you know, would be for. Um, yeah, and I agree. I mean, environment is everything, you know, it's, it's, it's you're not going to use voice search in the wrong environment, particularly a very noisy one. And when you add this to websites, do you think of it as an assistant or do you think of it as a voice input for achieving a, a goal? Yeah, we, we try to think of it as, as for achieving a goal. Um, we, you know, when you look at how people engage with assistants, a lot of people, you know, they want to browse and they want to find their own way around the site before they interact with someone. And, you know, whether a bot is a real person or, a, you know, a true bot, you know, the fact that it's pure voice search means that they can they can try and satisfy their need and experiment about without feeling like they're being, you know, controlled or, or, or what have you or, or being pushed towards a certain thing. You know, it's a more natural replacement for the type of search that they would do when they're experimenting. And we try to preserve that kind of feeling. You know, I mean, we, we do do readout, obviously, um, but we don't make a point of saying, you know, hi, I'm Phoebe. You know, how may I assist you today? That type of thing. Does that mean that users' expectations are different when it's an assistant versus just voice as an input? I mean, that's a good, I mean, it is a good question. Do people interact with them differently? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, we say, you know, I'll give some examples, you know, sometimes you can see that, you know, you will hear say something like, oh, hi, Abigail, can you hear me? 
you know, on a site and we're like, what's that all about? And then you go and check the site and there's a chatbot on there with the name Abigail, right? So they may be getting a little confused between the two. Um, but mostly we don't, you know, we, we don't get a lot of, get a lot of that. But, you know, our philosophy has been very much that we are not, you know, you could enable an assistant with it, but our job is to provide, you know, a, a language translation service to help you find what you want and not, you know, and, and not go beyond that. We mentioned customer expectations quite a few times. Obviously, the kind of smart speaker adoption is is kind of rapidly and steadily growing as it as it has been for for the last few years. And Dustin's stats there around seventy odd people preferring to search with their voice. And you've said that if you see the mic icon on a website, people will will kind of know what to do with it. There's maybe a difference, or is there a difference between people knowing what to do with it and actually doing it? So we've been speaking there around is the whole internet and web browsers going to be voiceified, and we're saying probably not. Um, but it, are you finding that people are willing and able and do often use their voice through your likes of Phoebe when interacting with a website? How are you finding the adoption of this? Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, it, it's always been, so we've been, so the longest sites we've been on um, is probably about 10 months now. Um, and the the number of good active voice searches has been growing every month, probably between 20 and 30%, I would say, each month. I mean, they grow, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of months where it drops off, but it's growing, you know, we, we don't have any sites where the, the, the number of voice searches, you know, is going down or even, or even plateauing. So it is, it is growing. Um, you know, we don't always in previous, we, we will have more stats over the next few months because obviously prior when we were just sending the, that we only knew what the voice searches were, we wouldn't know necessarily what that was versus the text searches. So come back to me in another six months and I should be able to give you stats on, you know, six months of knowing all of the searches and therefore being able to see what the ratio, you know, is. But the, you know, there are more people using it all the time. And, you know, I attribute that largely to the, you know, to the growth of this Alexa, you know, what I call the Alexa effect, you know, the, the gradual education of people that, you know, that they can inter interact in this way. I mean, to give you some sort of negatives, um, you know, what, you know, what we have learned is when people are using it in the desktop environment, you know, there's a lot of variety in the quality of microphones in, you know, in non-specialist equipment. So, you know, the, the microphones on phones and tablets are generally pretty good. Um, but on laptops, not necessarily always the case, right? It's often, you know, tucked away near the fan or something. So you can see, you know, we can see accuracy issues if people, you know, maybe try voice. Um, on a low-end laptop, let's say, um, you know, that I think will change over time. Um, but it is, you know, it is something clear. So some customers, for example, put Phoebe only on mobile, right? So it only appears when you when you visit it on mobile, others with, with all of it. You know, if you look at the accuracy ratings there, you know, it, it's super sky high, you know, 98% plus on um on mobile but it can drop off if you if you you know if you use desktop as well 
Um, so just a sort of a pointer for the audience, you know, that, that that is, you know, that is that is an area, you know, a lot of laptops particularly weren't really built with this type of, you know, voice usage in mind. Why is that accuracy going to fall off if the speech to text engine is the same across all of those platforms? Yeah, it's the microphone. So the, the the quality of the input from the microphone on a low end laptop, not all, um, but you know, if the if the inbuilt mic is close to the fan or you know at an odd angle from where the you know where the person using it is sitting, you know, people don't necessarily use their lap have not prior to this sort of you know voice revolution have not used their laptop microphones a huge amount for you know for voice I and mean, many. Yeah, some don't even have them, right? I mean, there's obviously the, the case of some that don't don't have microphones. Uh, it's just a, it's not a major. You know, most of most of what we do is around mobile anyway. Um, but it's just a noting that microphone quality on, you know, laptops and desktop equipment um, is not necessarily optimized for the voice first future in the way that an Alexa or a Google Assistant or you know a good microphone that you might have plugged in is. So it can affect your, you know, your accuracy. And and how do you correct for that? Because we know that users don't care. Uh, they don't care that the speech to text uh, was incorrect. They just want to find what they're looking for. How can a, a search or an NLU come in and direct them to what they ultimately want, uh, irrespective of any speech to text failures? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a speech to text failure. It's just if the if the microphone doesn't, if you stand far enough away from a microphone and whisper, it won't hear you, and and therefore it's nothing to do with the it, the, the, the nothing can detect it if it can't if it can't hear it. So that you know that is that is just the you know the, the point of the, I mean we you know we do we do learning for it. You know our accuracy is as good as you know we test it constantly against Google and, and Alexa, and it's the same if not better. You know sometimes better because of the the contextual nature. There's less there's less confusion in the Phoebe search, right? If you say um, you know if you say a word that's in our in the you know in the taxonomy that's related to this site. I mean the example we always give is the Julia Julia one, right? Alfa Romeo has a product called the Alfa Romeo Julia, G-I-U-L-I-A. If you say Julia to any other voice-to-text engine, it will give you J-U-L-I-A as the most likely response to that. Feed that in, obviously you don't get any any results, whereas with Phoebe you'll hear Julia and get it through. So we're able to, if it sounds like something that's in our, in our list, you know, then it's more likely to be so we can we can target in that way. Um, but my, my point was more to do with the, the, the fact that if you're not on mobile only, then the capture device can can have issues. But that's an issue for Google and everyone else as well. Mm. I've noticed that with with calls. You know, if you have a if you have a call with someone um, who's using the built-in laptop mic and not a pair of headphones then you know it can be a struggle even for humans to hear and so some of the sometimes when we've had uh you know even podcast guests in the past have been using the built-in uh laptop mics and the amount of editing and cleaning up and eq and compression and loudness correction that needs to go into fixing that is uh is a huge ordeal dustin you were gonna you were gonna say something 
Yeah, I was, you know, obviously the speech attacks, uh, you know, you can get better, you can, you can get worse speech attacks. But I sort of want to go back to the, the question, though, of ultimately the user doesn't care, right? The, for those 5%, those yeah. 2%, the 3%, whatever the percentage is where there's some sort of misunderstanding, uh, mm -hmm. the user still wants to find an answer. So mm -hmm. how can uh, website creators, search engine developers, uh, you know, how does Phoebe handle that situation where, okay, well, it was misunderstood. We clearly don't know it's misunderstood because we're trusting our speech to text, but how do we make sure that they're still getting to what they're looking for? Are there any tips that someone can take away there? Yeah, I mean, it's a, if it, it, I mean, typically people will repeat, right? When we see when you know when things, obviously, you know, like ever we get exception reports, so we can see when searches have failed. So we can, you know, we can track things that you know that that, that maybe have have difficulties. I mean, you know, eight is a classic example, right? Eight and eight, any you know anything that contains an eight can be can be difficult for any you know any of these any of these speech to text. Um, so you can refine on 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 the back of that, but you know mainly what we do is we try to look in the context of what they're looking for, right? And I think that's one of the things that we can improve on, is you know as we know as we zero in into where the words fit in context, you know then we can you know zero in on even if we haven't maybe heard it correctly, you know what it you know what it might be. Um, I think. You know, and this is one of the benefits I think for contextual language models. You know, as the example I was giving earlier is, if your universe is slightly less than the entire language, it's going to be easier for you to tune um, than if you're tuning against. You know, this could be any 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 word, any sentence containing any words in the in or any other language, rather than a sentence about you know looking for a car or a t-shirt or a car or whatever. Um, so I think. You know, we have been working on you know things to refine or what to do if it doesn't if it doesn't understand. Uh, but ultimately, there's, I think there'll always be some percentage of that. Um, and generally, people just ask again. As long, the accuracy now is is pretty good. We don't get you know. I mean, maybe sometimes with very thick accents, there's you know there's there's still issues. But generally. You know, we don't have too many issues. And the nice thing is you can always try these things now. We can always compare ourselves against our competitors because we can use the API to 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 check. Mm. Or in future, potentially, given what the BBC have been talking about, you might be able to just plug into BBC's NLU and pick up regional accents without a without yeah. a problem. Yeah, that'll be, that, yeah, that'll be yeah, I read that. Yeah, that'll be a, yeah. That'll be an interesting project to watch, I think. How that, it will, yeah. Know, how that how that developed yeah um just want to hop back to we were talking about the adoption and you were saying that when you implement a voice search capability onto your website you've noticed that it's increasing month on month by 20 to 30 percent um is that search and i know we don't have the ratios in terms of if that's a certain proportion of search terms and whether that's a certain increase in overall searches or whether that's a shift from typing to speaking. Um, but do you have any information on what that's doing and whether that's affecting the conversion rates of those websites? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, in our first read, the measure was the number of searches and that's what, you know, has kept people happy. But what, you know, 
that's why you know one of the reasons that we're we're extending is to is to help you know our customers attribute to you know purchases basically or you know favorable outcomes uh, to the you know the implementation of voice a voice on their site. Um, you know what we do have we do have some examples where um, we've got a few customers who have promoted separately the use of voice so they've they've not just put it on the site in the way that we've been describing right and seeing how people will use it they have promoted so you know we have a um a spare parts site right they have uh, customers they sell uh, uh you know specialist parts for classic cars um and the owner there has promoted it to his user base and then we see a very high you know adoption rate among among those right because they know that they can go there when they're all greasy you know and just stab at a cheap tablet you know that they've got and start saying do you have any you know dashboard clocks for a datsun 240z or do you have a you know whatever it whatever it may be so we we can definitely see higher good outcomes for those that have promoted it um you know and have a reason for promoting it they're interesting because yeah, they have a reason to promote it, which is that basically the people that are in a in a garage and they're looking to see whether they've got a par and they don't have to go in and they don't have to get the computer dirty and all of that other stuff. So it's a really nice, interesting use case, but they've participated with us, not just you know put the the information on there. Um, in terms of conversion, as I said to you before, we're now we are now tracking that. So if uh, if you have me back, we'll just get a snippet. You know, in in a few months' time, I'll be able to give you some solid stats on that from the Phoebe perspective. Okay, and we've spoke about kind of end users and customers being kind of more aware of voice interfaces and kind of the Alexa effect and all that kind of stuff, and knowing what to do when they see a little mic icon on a website and stuff. Are you finding that the same awareness is true of? your partners that you're working with or your potential clients who you might work with in future if anybody you know wants to implement phoebe on their website do you think that there is enough of an awareness within that target market on on the business side that this kind of capability is available for their websites is there enough awareness in that space do you think i think it's great i think it's growing i think when we started you know it was you know i would i would call it quite early adopter phase um but now you know it is yeah it is an increasing awareness thing and and also you know other people you know there are other people doing doing things there's a dealer company that's implemented something on their site in the so it's becoming you know a, a a more accepted you know a more accepted thing um i think there are you know there are different reasons i mean one of the reasons you know that we we see a lot of is this um you know helping the visually impaired uh, particularly here in the us because of the americans with disabilities act um you know a lot of e-commerce sites have been sued for not being usable um, by the visually impaired so clearly any you know any activities that you know anything that you can do to make the site more usable especially you know through purchase um you know that helps you comply with that you know and shields you from some of the 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 litigation that might be coming your way you know that's another you know that that, that's another driving force it's you know you you might put it on specifically to cater to the visually impaired 
you know, but you know, we we feel that you will likely stay for the increased sales um, because you you know you will you will open a new channel you know to all of your customers, not just the visually impaired. And what would this might be a um, this might be a an an obvious question in some sense because there's on the one side there's more work involved in doing one thing versus the other but aside from the amount of time and effort that it would take what actually let me let me let me rephrase that what would be the benefits for an e-commerce website using something like phoebe versus them trying to experiment with kind of establishing themselves on something like alexa what do you mean Alexa as in the voice to text or Alexa as in the smart speaker? Alexa as in the voice assistant platform. So, for example, I'm a retailer. I have a website. I have a choice. If I want to experiment with voice or if I want to add voice to my offering for my customers, I've got a lot of news and headlines over here every day saying Alexa's now working with the NHS, Alexa's now able to book a pizza, Alexa's now able to do that. What would be the reason why I would invest in something like Phoebe versus invest in trying to get a presence on the Alexa platform or on Google Assistant? Well, it's a different, I mean, it's a different thing. I mean, our, our positioning is that we're, you know, for you on your website, facilitating a conversation between you and your customer, right? Not a, not a conversation that is facilitated by, you know, you know, enabling Google and, you know, and or Amazon to, you know, learn more and, you know, and, and, and execute their plan. Um, you know, our plan is different, right? We're not trying to learn from all of this data. We're not listening in on this data. We're not building, you know, higher level targeting engines, whatever it may be. Um, plus, we have you have the basic benefits of a contextual language model, which is it's custom to you. It's cheaper to run um, because you don't have the uh, you know the API calls and the you know and the fees that those those guys charge. So it's not variable cost. It can be you know it can be a fixed cost. Yeah, and it's complete and it's ready to implement out of the out of the box. So, I think you know the, the you know the yes the you know the Alexas and the Google exist, but yeah, you have to ask yourself: is that all, are all conversations in e-commerce going to be facilitated through you know one of those two companies' servers? Um, you know that is a that is a legitimate question, um, but we certainly see you know. The benefits of contextual language models, the benefits of not sharing, the price benefit, and the fact that it's ready to implement. Right, that you can you can implement it, and the accuracy is the same, if not better. Um, those are the you know those are the pillars that we hang our e-commerce offer on. You know. Hmm. Yeah, it seems it seems that um, you know that's that's. I mean, Mycroft and some of the other voice assistants have a similar approach, don't they, in terms of um, trying to, you know, shy away from from feeding those big platforms and, and kind of trying to do something that's um, independent, more secure. Um, not that Amazon and Google isn't secure, but that's kind of the 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 angle, isn't it? Um, yeah. What what tips would you have then for people getting started if they wanted to implement voice capabilities into their 
website, obviously they could go ahead and try out Phoebe. Is there any other things that they need to be aware of? Any other things they need to watch out for? Any other tips that you have around, you know, the way to think about it or how to approach it? What advice would you give? Yeah, I think the, I mean, the primary ones are the, you know, look at the descriptors and the metadata on your site, right? Synonyms are very important, you know, being able to search with different people in voice might use different terms, you know, I might say sunglasses, I might say shades, right? You know, I might say sunnies, you know, there are, there are things like this that tend to come up more in, you know, in natural spoken language where people are, are looking for things. So I think you need to think about your product descriptions in that way. Um, also how you manage if you want things to be, yeah, I'll give you an example. We do a, um, a swimming pool uh, equipment company, right? The number of, you know, the, the number of BTUs of heat is critical, uh, but they don't, they don't have that in its own field in their metadata. So even though we have the ability to do it, it's hard for us to say, you know, show me, uh, you know, show me pool heaters over 150,000 BTUs because that's what would fit your pool. So a lot of it is, is making sure that the stuff that you can just throw up there on the screen visually, you know, is optimized to be found, you know, found using voice, um, using language in, in the way you want it, you know, and that'll go better whether you go with Vivi or you go with, you know, Google or, or, or Amazon or whatever, whatever you go with. Um, cause if your data is not, you know, is not at least you're not, if you're not considering it in that way, it, it can make it harder to create this seamless voice experience. It's, you know, it's not just a case of slapping it over the top. You have to think about what, what people are going to want to try and do. Hmm. Lipstick on a pig. I think a lot of companies are probably going to be in a bit of bother, to be honest, because, you know, the amount of really poor quality data that you tend to come across is absolutely staggering. And now, you know, obviously data has always been really, really important, but now all of a sudden, you know, there's another reason to have your data in shape and lots and lots of places don't tend to have the data in shape, do they? Mm. No, that's right. That's right. I think, you know, and I, I see a lot. We were at the um, IRCE uh, Internet Retail Conference in Chicago earlier this year, you know, and there are there are companies out there that are helping people with, you know, generally with tidying up their data, you know, for improved, improved search. You know, I think, you know, that is happening overall. It's all about, this is all about optimal, you know, in the e-commerce, it's all about leaky funnels, right? It's all about the idea that somebody is there and you're losing that potential customer either by not, you know, not finding, you know, not helping them find what they want, even though you've got it or not giving them such a good experience that they bounce straight back to Google and do do the search and wind up on somebody else's site. But, you know, the effort and the expenditure that people put into getting someone onto their site, you've got to do everything you can to, to try and satisfy that need when they're on there, you know, because every bounce has a cost. And Mike, who should be responsible for making sure that that content is a voice and a conversational ready? Does that does that fall within the tech side? Is that responsible for the product team? Is that marketing? Who should yeah. be handling that? Yeah, I don't think it's the tech team. First of all, I think it is a it is product marketing, digital. You know, I think those are the you know those are the you know product marketing 
sales or whatever, whatever function and digital should be the ones, you know, looking at that because it, you know, it is an area that will, will grow and it, you know, and it fits broadly into that digital, you know, that digital realm, you know, like it's not too different from looking at, you know, Google AdWords or, you know, SEO or, or any of these other, other digital services. I think optimization in that way should be, uh, you know, should be a, a digital marketing function. Cool. Dustin, any other questions for Mike? No, I think we've covered a lot. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about Phoebe and about uh, what you're enabling businesses to do on the web. Oh, pleasure. Been uh, been fun. Where can people find out more then, Mike? Where can people find out more about Phoebe and, and or reach out for you for some assistance if they need help getting started or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're on the web at uh, getphoebe.com. That's G-E-T-P-H-E-B-I.com. Um, you can also find me and the, and the company on LinkedIn. Uh, there's also uh, quite a few articles, particularly about things like the auto industry experience and others that you can track down on LinkedIn if you look for Phoebe, P-H-E-B-I. Um, so you can check out some of the some of the info there, or you can uh, you can just write to me directly at mike at getphoebe.com. Fantastic, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Awesome. That was Mike Page, CEO of Phoebe. Interesting discussion. Now, it has been a while, as we said at the end, since we spoke about voice and the internet in general, as opposed to voice assistant platforms. Uh, and I think Mike shared uh, some really interesting insights there, certainly around uh, the adoption of voice search on websites, increasing 20 to 30% month on month. Um, we didn't necessarily get down into some of the details in terms of specifically how it's all put together and how it's all working, and we couldn't get to the conversion rates uh, and things like that. So we probably did leave a little bit on the table there. But nevertheless, I think that voice and the internet, voice in the browser, voice on websites seems to be something that has legs seems to be something that has potential and as i mentioned we spoke to voices last year they were doing something kind of sounded fairly similar and they said they were getting some traction it sounds as though phoebe are getting some decent traction there's awareness within the user base customers and consumers know what it means to have a microphone on a website broadly speaking uh, and it seems now that website owners and and uh, you know brands e-commerce brands are starting to develop that awareness as well about the fact that they can have voice capabilities on their website so interesting conversation and we'll check in with Mike hopefully in a few months time when he's got more data on the total percentages of searches that are voice searches versus typed searches and hopefully some information about the conversion rate as well so thank you Mike and thank you Dustin and as always boys and girls thank you all for listening until next time see you later